0: What's going on guys cast a podcast Ronnie Moore here with my man Kyle Jesse episode 28 of the podcast and if you're watching on YouTube welcome into the show we're going to talk a little bit of Rapala Bassmaster Fantasy Fishing a little preview for Lake Fork which is the fifth stop of the Bassmaster Elite Series season and Kyle it's kind of gone quick we've had basically every Elite Series event with about a week or 10 days in between them so we've kind of knocked out the first half of the season much sooner than we did last year with the COVID season. We didn't have halfway point of the season until August of last year, and it's late April and we're over halfway through once Lake Fork is done, but we've blown through a lot, but it's been some really dramatic events through the first four events, weather-wise, storylines-wise, and the way the winning day went for those anglers. So it's been a great 2021 season so far.
1: Yeah, it definitely has. And like you said, it has been a polar opposite as of last year you know, having the UFALA event and being uh, the second event in the season and it's in June. And then this year, you know, hearing people say reaching the halfway point of the season, it's like head scratching because I'm like, I feel like this is going by so fast comparatively to last year, especially.
0: We were talking about it. And from June of last year, when we did Lake UFALA for the second event of the season to now, or basically, let's just say to the end of July, we'll just do a 13 month window we would have had 17 of 18 possible elites in a 13 month span so that is 17 elites in 13 months with about a month and a half or 2 months of an off season you've got then 17 elites in 11 months and so they're they're definitely knocking them down and the storylines never change. I mean, or they're always changing, but it's uh, it's refreshing to see some of the crazy things. The Sabine River, we talked about that in our last episode. If you haven't watched that, I'll pop it up right here that you can click on it and watch it if you want after this video. But the Sabine was dramatic. Long runs, close weights, uh, two guys running away with it after the first two days, and then it really got tight on the weekend with some guys making some charges near the takeoff. And fantasy fishing didn't disappoint either. We saw some big fish. Uh, you know take the top spot there and whatnot but you jumped ahead in fantasy fishing and so I'm going to let you break the ice for Lake Fork Rappel of Bassmaster Fantasy Fishing and I'm gonna let you give your picks first we'll start out with bucket a because I need to take notes on if I need to change my team up and that that two minutes of you explaining will do that for me
1: yeah so um in bucket a something we've talked about all season is the fact that no matter what event it is that Greg Hackney is going to be the leading like he's going to have the highest player percentage of anybody. Well, for the first time all season, he doesn't in bucket a, uh, which I found fascinating. Um, I guess I don't necessarily think people are jumping off, off board. I mean, I think, you know, people realize Greg Hackney is going to be a, uh, a force all season long, but he's missed back to back cuts in two events that he, you know, you would think he would be really, really competitive in. Um,
0: Places he's won
1: at, yeah. I mean, I, I genuinely think that if you want to see somebody that's ticked off and gonna catch them, and the first fish that uh, you know, bites his uh, I, I'd imagine jig or something of that nature at uh, Lake Fork's gonna gonna feel his wrath. And uh, I don't know. I just I feel like he's gonna come back. And this event, I mean, so many fish are gonna be shallow. Probably gonna be a handful of ways to catch them shallow. You give Greg Hackney options like that, and he's gonna figure it out. So, I actually went with Hackney and Buckaday, um, which and I you know, your, like I said,
0: your third time this season,
1: second or third, yeah, like,
0: yeah. At St. John's, you might have picked him, and then uh, I did not
1: at St. John's. I had a uh, uh, Canterbury and Buckaday. Oh, okay, so, so, only the second time.
0: Yeah, and it's just there's been so many pundits pick him and whatnot, and so you know, for my pick. It's going to sound very familiar because I am zigging while people are zagging. Like you said, first four events, he is not only the highest in bucket a, but he's top two. Uh, uh, no matter where we've been overall with the percentage, you know, of players selecting him and with him being 10%, 10% chosen and he's in bucket a at Lake fork. Very shocking to me. The other guys in that bucket that are highly picked set fighter, uh lee Livsey obviously living there steve kennedy's picked uh really low as well he's a good pick it may an option to pick there he's had a birthday this as well had a had a pretty good a couple event stretch there and that's why he's in bucket a that's that's the hard thing to read first event of the season second event of the season those are very small sample sizes on why they're in the high buckets like they are But with four events under our belt, the guys who are in bucket A, top 20 in points, have caught them in at least three or four of the events to a certain extent. Hackney's two missed cuts were preceded by two top 10 finishes. So that's the kind of offsetting thing there. He may have only gotten check into the event, but they were the best checks you can almost get without getting a win. So Hackney has been a great pick. So I think that, yeah, I like that pick a lot because I picked him as well. Greg Hackney is my bucket A pick. Zigging and zagging with our fantasy fishing players because highly picked and gets second. Highly picked gets sixth or seventh. Highly picked misses the cut. Highly picked misses the cut. People jump off the bandwagon a little bit and kind of explore. They're like, "Oh, Lee Livesey got a top ten at the Sabine. Now he's going to his home lake. I'm gonna pick him." Stetson Blaylock guided. Uh, or Stetson's in another bucket, but he's he's another guy who'll be picked a lot. Seth Fighter's done well. He's coming off a of top ten. Let's pick those guys and Greg Hackney's at 10%, this is the only time he's going to be a steal all year other than maybe smallmouth places. So I'm going in with Hackney as well, surprisingly. Uh, but he's just very affordable for the percentage right there. And, and I think we talk about the percentage debate. I honestly, I'll put, I'm not going to put money on it, but I bet Greg Hackney will catch a 10-pounder at Lake Fork. I mean, there's nothing that's happening at Lake Fork that tells me he's not going to catch them. That's the right. Thing. The yeah. There's so many factors. Lake Fork, he's gonna he could pick up on r- any random stretch and flip his jig or or sight fish or wind a square bill or something. Swim jig top water. I mean, this is a Greg Hackney lake, and I think no doubt. I think that April is a deadly month for him. Uh, the Sabine's just a crazy fisher. You can't chalk that up to momentum or anything. It's just hard to make the right decision there.
1: No doubt, and that's you know you look back at the the day one of that event. I mean, losing that big fish one of the big. I mean, that's the difference. Yeah, absolutely, that's the difference in you know him finishing fifty second or third or wherever he just finished just outside the cut to finishing in like twenties. I mean, like thirties maybe. Like yeah, propel- like that propelled literally like that that big of a swing. And like you said, I mean, for him to be picked that low in bucket A not just in any old tournament but like you said in a tournament where all of his like biggest strengths are going to be in play like 100 i mean you you couldn't imagine a tournament setting up better for him and here we are saying this i don't know how many times you could say this (laughs) to this point in the season because you could almost say it for every event but i mean it's really true i mean like really really is the truth so i mean like you said kind of a steal at 10 um and I, I felt like that was a no-brainer to have to pick him.
0: What was the quote you said? I know what it was, but I want you to say it again, what Greg Hackney said about the, the the schedule and the lakes, you know, that that when someone asked him about, it's setting up good for him.
1: Oh, yeah. So something I'd heard him heard him quote, if somebody asked him, he's like, oh, this tournament really sets up for your uh, your style and the way you like to fish. And he said, I feel like they pretty much all do at this point in my career. Like, I don't go anywhere and feel like, I don't know what I'm doing. He's like, you know, basically to the extent that uh, that he never feels like it's not his strength. Um, but, I mean, from an outsider's perspective, knowing what he does best, and I mean, he also knows what he does best. This is it. Like, this tournament is it. So, I mean, I, I feel like it's kind of a no-brainer with that low percentage.
0: Yeah, I was actually, when I logged on to BassmasterFantasy.com yeah. and set my team up, I was like 10%. I was like, am I – did I click the wrong event? Are we looking at Neely here? Yeah, I was, right. I was like, what tournament are we looking at? And I was like, ain't no chance. I was like, I got to put him on my team. And and I like picking favorites. Most of the time I stray away and I do some obscure you know, name or low percentage. But some of these guys have a reputation of, of being a great big fish hunter. Steve Kennedy has that reputation. He's lowly picked in that bucket. I'm surprised. Um, but I won't pick a Steve Kennedy because I know – how when his highs are as high as they can be, but sometimes his lows are as low as they can be. And sure. so it's hard to get consistency out of him. But for Greg Hackney, I think, like you said, he's probably, he didn't have, he's not had two bad finishes. They're like the first. Barely
1: outside of the season. cut. Yeah.
0: So it's not like he's got a chip on his shoulder, but he's going to catch a 10 pounder a fork, no doubt. I think he's going to hold up a fish on stage, which is over 24 inches, at least two times this week. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised. We've seen him couple of his wins, Sam Rayburn in the first season of the Elite Series, flipping bushes. Uh, you've seen him at Texoma in, in this, this very event just up the road from Fork, flipping bushes and trees. Not saying there's a bunch of trees in the water, but the fish are up as tight as they can be to them probably. And so I'm looking – it's a big fish weight. Like we see St. John's, he always is top 10 there, and it's always 80-plus pounds or something. He just shows up when the big ones are up shallow, ready to bite.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's, that's something I was, I've been thinking a lot about, too, is the fact that, like you mentioned earlier with sight fishing, uh, he's historically a really good sight fisherman. Uh, with that being said, I could easily see a lot of times what happens in these sight fishing events is by the time day three, sometimes even day two rolls around, you just kind of run out of sight fish, you know, fish that you have located, marked in practice, Uh, you can mark a bunch but then you know you go back and they're either off the bed somebody's already caught them they're really spooky a certain day his style I think that he could do that but then if that like falters off like you said he could just he's just the kind of fisherman that can just take off down the bank and he'll outcatch you know some of the guys that have it really like in their heads dialed in like he's just that good of a shallow water fisherman and that's just who Greg Hackney is so I mean like you like we'd said For him to only be at 10%, I mean, it's like kind of a no-brainer.
0: Welcome into the uh, cast of podcast where Kyle, Jesse, and Ronnie Moore only talk about Greg Hackney. We talked about him a bunch last time, (laughs) probably in a negative light. But it it was just being honest with the percentages. This week, we are both on the Greg Hackney train for Bucket A Fantasy Fission. Such an affordable percentage. Uh, I don't see – you know, Lee Livesey is great, but I think that uh, it really set up well for him – In the fall, because it's tougher, he knows how to fish that lake, had a great rise up the leaderboard, Uh, and then the last time we are here in the spring, he gambled a little bit, and it didn't pay off, and he didn't uh, end up doing as well as he hoped, so who knows, I think a lot of these times, certain anglers have an advantage on a lake, and that doesn't mean they have an advantage January to December, they have an advantage uh, July to August, they have an advantage October to December, maybe, maybe around the spawn, but when the fish are up shallow, shad spawn, spawning season, flipping, it's really hard to have an advantage when they're biting. Uh, and that's, you know, unless fork all of a sudden starts fishing tough, it should be a great event. So jumping over to bucket B though, uh, we've got a lot of, a lot of great anglers to select in this one as well. I mentioned Stetson Blalock prematurely, but he's one who has done a lot of summer guide trips, electronics courses for people over the years at fork, It's only three hours and change from Little Rock in that Benton region where he lives. And then you have the former winner, Brandon Cobb, in that bucket as well. you have got a Buddy Gross, a Ray Hanselman from Texas, Scott Martin. Obviously, we're expecting to see him make a final day and and do well uh, soon. He's kind of honestly really performed on day one and two and really struggled on day three in a lot of his events. And he's dropped off and had a, you know, 20 to 35, you know, place finish but it could have been he was on the he was on the you know the precipice of a top 10 so we'll see about that one as well but I've got my eyes set on Brian New I don't know exactly necessarily why but he loves fishing shallow he loves fishing deep as well he's got the electronics game down pat Uh, but he just fishes free he's got a freeness to his game that we've mentioned Kyle Welcher has that we've even said sometimes KVD or Aaron Martins has where they kind of just fish by the seat of their pants and they're not afraid to go and do this, do that. Brian news got a little bit of that in him and he's chomping at the bit to set the hook. He had a tough Sabine, but I think Brian knew, whether it's a white swim jig or a, or a buzz bait, every angler in the field has experience with that, but man, that is something that some of those North Carolina grinders, uh, they just do. They lock a top water in their hand, maybe go frogging some, maybe flipping and sight fishing. A lot of the lakes are clear, really good at sight fishing. And so for a Brian New, if it's not as clear at fork, still might be able to get around some fish and find them. But uh, and I can see, you never know. Somebody could get on that forward-facing sonar of some post-spawn fish that are suspended or some pre-spawn. You don't know how it's going to go. But I'd expect most of the action to be on the bank, maybe some humps and some knobs, you know, 10, 12 feet of water, possibly. But shallow game-wise, 5.7%. With as many good anglers as I mentioned, taking up some pretty good percentages, you know, nine to twenty percent for everybody I mentioned pre- previously. Brian New still has five point seven percent, so it's not like it's a out out of the park, you know, a low low percentage to choose from. So I think Brian New is going to turn it around and catch a catch a good couple bags the cut at least this week.
1: I like that pick. I think that's uh, definitely an underrated pick, and you know, and and it kind of goes back to this is a hard thing to like explain and put into words, but you know, what you were talking about earlier, like when, uh, the fish are biting, having that local advantage, like doesn't necessarily help. Uh, it just seems fish are biting. Brian, catching them, like Brian knew is going to be around him. He's going to be catching them. Um, and he's just like one of those guys that just seems like he figures it out. So naturally, um, like you said, the Sabine river, obviously it didn't work out that way for him, but you put that many fish up shallow, um, yeah, it definitely seems like a, a tournament Brian knew could do really well in. actually
0: kind of surprised like you said it's not not as high as he is. And the speed was really the first two days of competition that he hasn't caught them in one of those days. The St. John's, we obviously saw him win that event uh, in Knoxville had a terrible day. one had one of the best bags on day two to jump up. and then uh, Pickwick, we saw him on camera a couple days there was catching some good smallmouth uh, you know in the middle of the middle region of the lake, but he runs around everywhere um and and then we saw Sabine. he didn't make the cut tough two days of fishing for him that's really the first two lumps that he's had to take in his elite series pro other than day one knoxville
1: yeah no doubt so as far as my bucket b pick um it's something someone you have already talked about uh in stetson boylock and if you watched our previous episode uh talking about our drain the lake picks uh he was one of my drain the lake picks as well mercury Bassmaster drain the lake don't forget to set your rosters for that as well this week. Yes. Um, anglers with, with that,
0: it's once you pick an angler, you can't use them again, so pick wisely.
1: Should be fun. I'm looking forward to that. But anyways, went with Stetson Blaylock and uh, Bucket B. He is one of the higher percentage guys, uh, as we both agree. I don't typically like doing that, um, but no matter how the tournament plays out, you know whether um, the spawning fish, like the shadow I mean, like I think shallow is going to play regardless but you know it just depends on what stage of shallow there's fish are in right so if that's the deal and like there's just a lot of fish being caught spawning like sight fishing or fishing for fish that you know you can't see but you know are spawning i think stetson blaylock's super super hard hard to you know to pick against and then also something that we've talked about previously is like you said stetson blaylock has fished like a lot in the past uh like you said used to do classes out there like sonar classes um i mean definitely has taken the trip down i-30 to uh to lake fork plenty of times so i mean i think he's a kind of guy that could have some sneaky stuff might not be a texan you know you know like some of the other guys that are super highly percentage picked but uh i think either way he could find them in whatever stage they might be in and i think he would have an advantage
0: he's closer than most texans are you know right handsome texas and he's like, he's probably like 12 hours away because he's all yeah, okay. on, the, on the you know west side of it. But Stetson's last two events there, the 2019 one around the first week of May, similar conditions to now, just a week later. And, and the November event last year to end the season, he's got a 16th and a 9th. So he has yeah. by far one of the best, other than maybe a Keith Combs, best percentages or uh, average finishes out of the two events, which are two dramatically different times of year. Um, but a sixteenth and a ninth, uh, twelve and a half place uh, average finish. So I like that pick. Uh, I didn't want to pick two back to back like odds on favorites, and so I so I, I see why you did it. And I did. I went a little bit different than my strategy for Drain the lake. So I, I, I admire that. So follow that up. Who do you have in bucket C?
1: I'm going Drew Benton. So this is, um,
0: bucket C is tough.
1: Very tough. Bucket C. Was extremely challenging for for me to select. You know, here's the here's the reality of it. I think that it's going to be day three of the tournament, and I'm going to be like so mad at myself, Keith Combs, because it just seems like if there has ever been a more cemented, like locked on, somebody's going to catch them on a certain lake. You know, maybe not necessarily time of the year that he would prefer. The actually, I know for sure it's not the time of the year he wanted the tournament because he told me that in palatka um but at the same point how could you argue against keith combs in bucket c so i don't i i kind of hate to pick against him but at the same point it's like you said my first two picks are pretty high percentage odds. like you know almost the favorites in their buckets so i went with drew benton in bucket c just because there's two guys i naturally think of every time i well th- oh, actually There's a handful, but two guys that I think of on tour, um, and it'd be both the Drews, Drew Benton and Drew Cook. Uh, Both of them back in 2019 had super good finishes. Um, I think Drew Benton finished ninth in 2019, uh, finished in the top 10. If there's fish to be seen and caught, Drew Benton is going to see them and he's going to catch them. Uh, It's pretty plain and simple the way I see it. Um, Like I said, the only thing I worry about is just that lasting for a handful of days. But I mean, a guy that is rock solid in tournaments like this, where you're catching sight fish, or you're at least fishing for fish that are in some stage of the spawn, Drew Benton is hard to beat. And at 5%, he was one of my lower percentage guys that I went with.
0: Well, I, I like that, and I'm going to be burned by Keith Combs as well because he always catches him. but there's that weird feeling of you're like, what if this is the time he doesn't catch the
1: right? <laughs> Yeah, right.
0: What if, You know, and you don't want to be stuck with him then, and you're like 41% of fantasy fishing players are picking him, and if he finishes 50th and misses the cut, you get the chance to really, really jump up above him, and so I, I didn't pick him either, and I'm going to look back at this video and I'm really going to be like, how dumb. Because Keith yeah, how, exactly. Is, he, is the, he is the Cliff Prince, if not better, uh, at, at Fork like Cliff Prince is at the St. John's River, to be honest, in all of Texas. Falcon, Amistad, Sam Rayburn, Toledo Bend, Lake Fork. I, I bet you Keith Combs is probably going to top 20 in any event in Texas almost other than the Sabine River. And, uh, so it's hard not to pick 41, 41 41.3% Keith Combs, but he's going to catch him. But I think that for the style and time of year, I think Scott Canterbury at 5.7% is a really good selection. I picked him at the beginning of the year and he burned me and I held a grudge for an event or two, but I'm off that now. No, I didn't really do that, but I was surprised. He had such a good track record at the St. John's river with the way the season's gone I think that Canterbury's kind of figuring out fork a little bit. It was one of his first times going there the last time we were, or, you know, the first time we came there in 2019. Right. And uh, I think that, I think that he's going to have it figured out shallow and be able to do that. So that's my bucket C Um, going into bucket D I'm keeping that kind of train of thought going bucket D is really dispersed percentage wise. No one angler really has it, you know, locked down with a giant percentage. And, and I'm going Matt Airy, 4.8% selected by selected so far, bucket D. I feel like these fish are in between a shad spawn, in between the actual spawn. There's going to be pre-spawn fish. There's going to be fish that have been spawned for a month. We got some cool temperatures going, so top water might be a factor. And I really feel like Matt Airy is going to be one that if, if it's not spawn and it's any of the other things and they're in a mix – like you said, you don't want to run out of spawning fish. I feel like he could pick up and go catch fish doing sure. other things. And so I, I feel like Matt Airy, I don't, just I didn't pick him because of percentage. I picked him because of style. I think he's a good fit for fork, even if, you know, he hasn't had necessarily the best performances over his two seasons at uh fork. But I mean, he's gotten a 19th and a 61st, but his 19th was may close to the time period we're at now. So, take a little bit of that grain of salt. We basically like to twist numbers. If someone got a top five at fork in the fall, man, he really figured that place out. He's going to be a shoe in now,
1: Well, you know, but,
0: oh, but this guy didn't catch him in the fall. Well, it's totally different. It's the spring, you know, so we'll twist those numbers, but I do think <laughs> that this is much more indicative this time because it's two different lakes, two different uh, situations. And, uh, and there, those anglers were, you know, put through the grinder in the end of last year with so many events in the fall.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, I think that if, if you had to say one of the two, like you said, it's, it definitely is what we want it to be, let's be honest. But at the same point, if you had to compare um, tournaments to one of the two, we were just talking about this a moment ago, you can't really compare it in November because, I mean, it's the same lake, don't get me wrong. I mean, there's, there's definitely parallels. I mean, if somebody did well there in November, that's great. Um, you know, a feel for the lake, it, you know, goes a long way. With that being said, if you were going to go back and look at previous success, the tournament itself will be so much more similar to the one in 2019, obviously, um, which a handful of my picks, you know, a Drew Benton, especially, you know, we're in in bucket C, going backwards here for a second. It's like those guys that caught him really well, kind of at the tail end of spawn and doing. The, think this go around will be even stronger. So it seems like in my head like if you look at the way that turned out those guys doing some things uh that theoretically would only be better pushing it back a couple weeks um but anyways
0: well and you can say like you know some guys have struggled and had bad finishes and you wonder if that's indicative of how they figure out the lake but it could be a simple lost seven pounder and you miss the cut and it looks like you got 57th because you stunk but you cut you know because you lost one big bite you know so uh we'll, we'll see how that plays out but like you said bucket d
1: uh bucket d um sticking with the trend of somebody that can catch them in a high weight tournament like a big weight tournament i'm going to michael frazier um so granted back in the 2019 event had a really good event there um catching them on a top water school and fish i don't think that will play as much this go around maybe it does i don't know um but with that being said typically anytime like big weights are being thrown around um excluding Florida I I I don't know about his history in Florida as much but like but uh you know Tennessee River tournaments anytime the weights are big it seems like Michael Fraser is a player um also something that (laughs) should be said is Michael Frazier's in bucket d like that's also not something we're used to seeing let's be honest like that's surprising to me as it is um somebody that has been on a downward trend of the last couple events so that is some you know a reason some people would pick him less and trust me it went through my head but at the same point uh if there was an event for Michael Fraser to you know bust out of that I think this is it you know like that he's obviously had some success in um like I said big fish in a time of the year that uh he's typically you know really really good pick I, like I said I like bucket bucket D for uh Michael Fraser, 8.5 or 4 percent I can live with that. It's not the high, you know, by no means the highest um, in the bucket, but uh, low enough for me to be cool with for sure.
0: Well, uh, we're, uh, or I'm going to try to wrap this up real quick with Bucket E. And so, Bucket E, I'm going to jump in and give my pick because you're going to hound me on this one real quick. But I hate, <laughs> hate picking high percentage anglers, hate doing it, hate doing it, hate doing it so hard. I'm going with Chris Zaldane 60%. I have to. Uh, he's got a such a great track record here two 13th place finishes gosh they eat a big swim bait at fork and in the time of the year uh shad spawn side fishing any type of fish are around it seems like zalde connects and he's in bucket e that's that's tough going into the fifth event of the season no doubt at this point classic spot on the line if you win this event i believe he's gonna need to catch him and i think he's gonna show up
1: yeah no doubt um I did not go percentage on that one.
0: Keep it going, Kyle.
1: So I did not go with Chris Saldane and Bucket E. Um, definitely, kind of the same principle as the Keith Combs pick we were talking about earlier. Might be one that I look back on and say, "Holy, you know, holy cow! Why did I not pick him?" Uh, with that being said, Bucket E, I went with Daryl Gleason. Um, so something that we also talked about a little bit in our uh, Drain the Lake show was the fact that Daryl Gleason is obviously extremely, extremely good on Toledo Bend, Sam Raver in those East, you know, East Texas, Louisiana lakes. Um, having fished all those lakes, I feel like there's quite a um, And something that you and I had talked about is I remember talking to Derek Hudnall, who I think could also play in this event. Um, and he was talking about some of the similarities between Toledo Bend and the fork. And there's a lot of things that fish the same way. And, you know, I think there's a enough similarities that he can take all of his knowledge from fishing toledo Bin that time of the year and you know make it work out on fork and let's be honest i'm sure he's probably spent plenty of time on fork as well so um i like daryl gleason and bucket e he's the second highest picked in the bucket at nine percent but that seems uh okay with me compared to 60.8 and like i said that's something that you and i have talked about before but like when we don't pick guys at high percentage it's not necessarily that we don't think they're going to catch them or uh, you know we're like rooting against these guys or anything I mean I think Chris Aldane being in bucket e you would think probably would finish higher than a lot of these guys especially on a lake that he's had so much success at a time of the year where like we've talked about big weights are going to play I mean you'd think a Chris Aldane regardless if he was in bucket a or bucket e would be an outstanding pick and like I said I'm just going to play on that one and go with Daryl Gleason have a bounce back event at Lake Fork
0: yeah and uh sorry for those watching on YouTube I had to run and get my phone charger from my beautiful wife who brought it because uh to be frank uh we were at like two percent and it was about to end and so I was trying to rush boy so we got it plugged in but to take some more time yeah Daryl Gleason second highest person picked um you know and Chris Zaldane being overwhelmingly I mean six times uh, six times the percentage he is. And, and it's difficult to figure out why that is necessarily. And we'll get into that in our next little segment we're about to do. But I had to go with a high percentage guy like that. I mean, I think overall, um, my percentages are, are pretty solid. I've got a 10, a 5, a 5, a 4.5, and, and a 60. So it's very difficult, but no one spends more time on Fork. No one spends time more time on big baits, you know, things like that. I think a lot of time has been spent by Zaldane on Fork over the last three years. And so he even spent some time with Livesey and, and attributed some knowledge of Fork to Lee. Lee showed him the ropes a little bit of, of how these fish behave because every Texas big bass factory just operates differently. And Fork is one of those special and different places. So I think for a guy who has to swing – He's got to swing for a top 10. He's got to swing for a win possibly. Um, and it's going to be a big fish beat down. It's hard not to take him. So I'm justifying my 60%. And to be honest, I'll go down with the ship with 60% of the people. If he doesn't catch them, look at bucket E and tell me another sure thing. Please do it. I'll wait. And uh, I don't know if there's another sure thing. There's no sure things in bass fishing, but man, a guy who knows the lake better than most, a guy who's set up for this fishing style. And you could just pick a name out of the hat for bucket E and, and really be able to have a, as good of a shot as an educated guess because it, it is very difficult to predict. And so you got to ride with some experience there and some history and uh, urgency. Urgency, I think, is, is a big one.
1: And let's be honest. This is something I think we just said a second ago, but if Chris Saldane was in bucket A – he would still be picked for this event probably in the top three of bucket a. I mean, so like, like you said, for him to be in bucket E, it's just kind of a, a no brainer. Hence the reason that 60% of people have picked him.
0: a little more hyperbole shows up when it's bucket E and you're right. Fought for Angler of the year and stuff over the last few years and, and had five second place finishes one season, you know, something like that. So I, I agree. It's a little more hyperbole being in bucket E, but, I want to transition over to our welcome segment I dropped on you in the first one we did. Hype or history? And I've got the two highest selected anglers in each bucket. And we're going to decipher if they're picked highly because of hype, which could be momentum uh, from the past events, or people think that they should catch them good there when it might not even fit their style, or history – where they're coming off a history of great finishes or history on that specific lake or technique, whatever you want to justify it as, but some guys are hyped up and we wonder why. And then some guys have a great history and uh, they are highly favored for a reason. So hyper history, we're going to go to bucket a and go back up to the top. Lee Livesey hyped up or history or Seth fighter. Lee's only at 18%. I mean, he spends 250 days a year on Lake fork and he's, 18 percent, but that's because he's in bucket a with the top 20 in angler of the year
1: yeah i'm i'm gonna go history with lee uh, i think you have to just based on the the statistic you just said that's that's 100 the truth and that like that would play in 1000 percent no matter what you say if you were gonna pick lee limsey right um seth fighter i'm gonna go i'm gonna go hype for sure Ooh. i'm gonna go hype um
0: I'll you on that in a second but go ahead
1: so, uh, you know, I think a lot of people watched Bass Live there at uh, Sabine. Uh, Seth, has always, had his, you know, swagger going, catch him on a spinnerbait. I mean, people are riding riding the hype on that one.
0: They get on the llama. I, I think
1: yeah. <laughs> I think people are back on it. So that um, that's why I'm going hype on uh, Fighter.
0: Well, I will say uh, it could be hype. People want to see Seth Fighter do well. They want to pick him because he's their fan favorite for anglers or for fans most of the time but he does have some good history here 11th in 2020 in the fall and 12th in 2019 in the spring so he does have two great finishes just outside the top 10 on both of those uh we got to see him a little bit on bass live last year in the fall and so he does have some good finishes there does it set up for seth i don't know i do feel like he's getting to the point like greg hackney where most events set up for him like he's to be honest, I tweeted it, and I got to find it. I got to go back and find it at some point. Let me let me do it. I'll search hashtag Ronnie Bass stats. Or no, I didn't even do that. I'm going to go Ronnie Moore Bass on Twitter, and then I'm going to also type Seth Fighter because I tweeted about him earlier in the year with some great stats. And, and I think that uh, – oh, I said a low-key. I tweeted it on uh, February 23rd. 2021 there's your proof right there at the bottom of the screen 325 p.m. i don't know what i was doing at 325 other than thinking about seth fighter but i said low-key quiet but massive storyline from the saint johns seth fighter finished third his best florida finish ever could he pull through and win aoi this year normally he starts off very behind the eight ball and has to catch up his progression since 2015 his rookie year 58th in points 47th in points Boom, he had some mojo going at the end of 2016 when he almost got kicked out, almost had to quit, had a second at the Mississippi River, had a first at Mille Lacs, and then he got 14th in AOI the next year, 18th, 5th, and then 12th last year. So since he really tried to gain his footing the first two years, he had so many boat problems the first year, second year, you know, lack of funds and money, but really when it needed it most in his neck of the woods, Mississippi river at a lacrosse and Mille Lacs. He came through with a first and a second. And then from there, the confidence that has ensued 14th, 18th, fifth and 12th in AOI. And I said, uh, it's amazing how some success can breed that now that he started off the season with a third, maybe he can keep that train going. And that was the first event of the year. And now we're through four events and he is your angler of the year leader. I believe, um, and, and I had to check that. I had to corro- corroborate that. But I think he's the Angler of the Year leader. And uh, and now we're almost halfway through the season. So, Seth, a little bit of history there. But I think that he's starting to get in a comfort zone as an angler across the country.
1: Yeah. And, uh, I mean, yeah. And, and that, that, would to me, would go into that category uh, just because of how good of a season he's having. I mean, typically, regardless the event where it's at, who the current leader of AOI is, they typically have a fairly high percentage uh, just because, I mean, if you want to ride with momentum, which is obviously a big factor in picking a fantasy fishing team, hard to beat against the guy that's leading the points, um, you know, as far as uh, as hype goes.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, next one, Bucket B, Brandon Cop, Scott Martin. I feel like I know what this one's going to be, and uh, but I'm going to let you take it away.
1: It'll be a repeat of the bucket A hyper history. So it'll be history and hype. So, history being the fact that who could forget the history with Brandon Cobb at, uh, at Fork? Uh, one of the most incredible days we've ever seen on Bassmaster Live ever. Um, was it 37 pounds or, th- I mean, it was like upper yeah. 30s? He
0: had 37. <laughs> he had, uh, I think he had 28 with three fish. He had an 8, 8, <laughs> an 8, 13, and an 11, 1 just like i i
1: will forever think of lake fork 2019 with him holding up an, an almost 9 pounder in one hand and an 11 pounder in the other hand <laughs> just showing them off like casually in, who in, does that
0: but it's an event that's catchway release because of the giant slot from 16 to 24 inches that you have to throw back that's why we have the catchway release for lake fork not any other reason i promise you that but for the catchway release for that 16 to 24 inch slot limit. No one culls because you're only bringing one end to weigh in. So that's a 24 plus incher that you could bring in an over. And he was culling. He culled an 8-8 with an 8.13. And then later he calls an 8.13 with an 11-1. And I'm like, in a tournament where culling is done on a score sheet, he's culling actually in the live well. And I was, I was dumbfounded by it. And he would have had a shot at rivaling the all-time record weight If he didn't have 14 pounds on like day two, he had 14 pounds on day two. And what's crazy is on day one of that event, we Skyped with him uh, for some bonus coverage you did. And he was chucking a big swim bait. And we were like, that's not something we expected to see him do. Never got another bite on it. Ended up throwing the jerk bait and then he caught some sight fish and then he caught some on a frog incredible that day one he was on a big swim bait bite was in contention we saw him on day two struggle and then the next week he was doing other stuff so there's a lot of different techniques at play but I like that history of course and then you say hype for Scott Martin and I think it's pretty explanatory but for all the Scott Martin YouTube lovers don't kill Kyle let him explain
1: yeah there's really no way to explain it without me sounding like a jerk but (laughs) um I mean obviously Scott Martin has such a following kind of the same thing, uh, as we've said with other guys, regardless what bucket he's in, he's going to have a pretty high percentage. Um, and you know, I mean, having a, a good event there at the Sabine and, um, you know, having a pretty good season to this point, like you said, kind of waiting to see that breakthrough tournament, like you said, where he, you know, jumps into the top 10 on the final day. Uh, I think it's just kind of a matter of, uh, when not if, um, But yeah, I mean, naturally Scott Martin's gonna have a lot of hype regardless for where where we're fishing. So let's just put it that way, I guess.
0: Hey, for sure, and he brings a great reputation. Maybe not as much experience at fork, but overall historically as an angler in the professional fishing world, he's definitely one to fear. Shallow is his game as well. I mean, he does a lot of great, a lot of things great. But uh, fishing in Florida a lot, sight fishing is probably something that he does a lot. Fishing some offshore, little. You know whether it's grass or, or rock or something offshore and at Okeechobee, uh, he you know you can translate that to something that's that mid depth offsh- offshore for fork, but it's not deep, kind of like what Rick Clun was doing with a you know spinner bait and some of those other things a crank bait um, last fall. So,
1: I've, I've thought for years that some of those Florida guys they must be getting issued different pairs of sunglasses or something because I mean the ability for those guys to sight fish versus. It really, for the most part, most anybody else on tour, uh, statistically, those guys from Florida are so good at sight fishing, uh, you know, which would play into the fact that st- stylistically this would, you know, also set up well for him. So there's hype, but at the same point, like it's reasonable, you know, it's definitely reasonable.
0: Oh yeah. And it's, and it's just reps. It's just reps. If you're a quarterback and you throw the ball six times like Navy does uh in a season you're not going to be great at throwing the ball you're going to have a chance to mess up a lot of these anglers don't sight fish at all and they only do it in elite tournaments and they try to stay away from it fishermen in Florida always are doing it I think I caught more fish in the 2013 regional at Lake Norman for the college series my home lake I caught more fish on that clear clear fishery off the bed than I've caught in Arkansas in my four years here because you just don't see them that frequently like it, it happens so quick or They, because Arkansas is fantastic at raising and lowering the water for no reason in the middle of spawn, sometimes they spawn so deep, you don't see them. So repetition for Florida anglers, they just get, they just get accustomed to seeing them more.
1: Yeah. I think that's, that's a huge factor. And and you saying that being a guy that now lives in Alabama, but obviously grew up my entire life fishing in Arkansas, that's just true. There's a lot of, there's a lot of places that set up really well to sight fish. Yeah not many of them are in Arkansas. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Just because you know, I mean you can you can go uh up to North Arkansas, like some of the White River lakes, they're clear enough to see them. But yeah, some of those fish spawn so deep that you can't see them anyways. <laughs> so,
0: like I said, it's every February yeah. I will go in a pocket and see a bush and says I can't wait to catch one off the over there in April, May. I never even see one there ever. So yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, like you said, with guys in Florida, I think that's just a a thing. Just do it more than anybody else.
0: So bucket C hyper history. I feel like these are pretty chalk hyper histories. I think I'm gonna guess my mental guesses on what you're gonna pick have been spot on so far and I mean I'm expecting it to continue but hyper history Mr. Lake Fork Keith Combs yeah history here uh, Clark winley
1: history for Combs I mean that's a that's a no brainer um historically one of the uh you know the best fishermen on Lake Fork ever um also I think one of the most amazing statistics ever in any sort of bass fishing uh, professional bass fishing tournament is the the three day event that uh, TTBC or whatever it was back then where he caught a hundred and thirty some odd pounds? And is that uh, not true? It was a hundred. It was over a hundred. I think it was one fifteen. Okay, well, whatever. That I, I overshot Getting it by at least forty. I, I, I overshot it by at least two fish. Well, <laughs> I mean, hundred and fifteen or what? It was well over a hundred. Let's just put it that way. In three days. I mean, it doesn't take a mathematician to do the math in your head on that. What it would take a day, granted, not the same time of the year, definitely not the same style of fishing, but that's
0: God. If someone's gonna, if someone's gonna
1: find them offshore at Fork, completely uh, sidetracked, But I just think that's one of the things.
0: Sorry, you're you're say that again. What were you saying about your your service? Kind of chopped up. I was
1: I was just saying that's just one of the most incredible things ever. So it's, it just needs to be said.
0: Oh, for sure. And, and it's scary with the 41%, and we're saying we're going to get burned by it, because if there's one angler to find an offshore school of fish that were spawned out a month ago and moved out there, that it, now they're six-pounders, Keith Combs is going to be the one that find them. I mean, he's going to drop his trolling motor down and practice and be like, nope, I don't need to drop my trolling motor. I'm going to pick it up, and I'm going to idle, and I'm going to idle, and I'm going to idle until I find two schools that I need and then he's going to fire him up at some point in the day. So we've seen it every single time there. So, yeah, history, 100%, which so much history kind of translates into hype. And sure. he needs to produce now, but it is all stemming from history.
1: No doubt. Um, another thing to add on that, like another thing, is you look at most all of his history on Fork, obviously being offshore, cranking uh fishing schools of fish it's not like he's going to be lost if he has to go fish shallow either <laughs> so, um i think either way it turns out but like you said most likely two fine uh fish offshore to catch even in this event um wendell it i mean I, I mean history in the sense that he's uh, inevitably fished lake fork plenty i'm sure being a texan um but i feel like with that being said it would be a hype thing for this tournament, just based on the fact he's the reigning Aoy leader. He's in bucket C. Uh, you know, that's not even, you know, we're not used to seeing Wendell in bucket C as it is. Um, just had a great, I mean,
0: thirtieth place at the Sabine or so, and moved sure. D into C.
1: Right, right. So I'm going to say hype, um, and it's also one of those things. Um, <laughs> there might not be any concrete evidence, but. His name on Bassmaster Fishing does say Texas at the end of it. So, I mean, he's got to be a good pick.
0: <laughs> he does have a TV show as well called uh, Fishing and Hunting, Texas. So, I, I think he's made his rounds, especially like...
1: Yeah, with, you know, and I say all that joking because of the fact that some events, it just seems like whatever the home state guy is, might have never even fished there. But not the case with Clark Wendelett. I'm sure he spent as much time as definitely more time than 85 percent of the field 90 percent of the field um so I, i'll say hype but as far as like concrete bass master um events there i mean you know i'm gonna say i'm gonna say hype
0: tally and pipkins speaking of a guy from texas frank tally and speaking of a guy who's done well at fort before chad pipkins bucket d
1: so i'm gonna say i'm also gonna have one hype one history uh we're gonna flip off them so tally with the hype um and then pipkins with the history uh once again that 2019 tournament who could forget the uh the new personal best (laughs) and uh you know the things that transpired in that tournament obviously an outstanding tournament for chad um i think he'll do well there i mean he's done well there both times in 2020 and 2019 um so i mean you know like i said at that point, when you look at it that way, it's like you have got to have a pretty good feel for the lake to be able to catch him in two completely different times. It's not on, a uh,
0: point necessarily, he's not no. there. He's from Michigan. He picked up a crankbait that's probably never been thrown there, caught him on it, and it's his comfort crankbait. Uh, and so if there's a guy that maybe also he's a great drop shotter, and I will agree with you on that. That if they end up being on bed and maybe it's like fork, they're not ever not pressured like i just didn't right play. they're always pressured so if there's a bed fish that's been looked at a couple of times or maybe a hundred a drop top might catch it, and, and some tech probably ain't picking that up necessarily
1: yeah no kidding um that's actually really true that's something that has not been stated but i think really should be more about this tournament i mean it'll it'll you guys will definitely talk about it on live i'm sure but that's for sure lake lake fork in april there's no way that there's a lake in the country that gets more pressure. Lake Gunnersville, maybe as you got to see firsthand this year. Um, maybe, but as far as per, per size of the lake, there's no way. Oh yeah. Um, so I mean that that's definitely got to factor in too. I mean, um it that's also- actually something like I said, yeah. I mean, that's something I uh when I talked to Keith Combs at Pulaca, we shot a uh, Toyota bonus bucks thing with him and we were just chatting and talking about this tournament. That's what he more worried about than anything it's just how pressured those fish will be um you know given the time period like you said there might be a lot of fish on beds but they might have been messed with quite a bit before these guys get to actually fish for them on tournament day
0: so uh, i would agree with that and last two buckets are the last bucket last two anglers hyper history two i wouldn't say texans both, both aren't from Texas. Gleason lives in Louisiana, right across the border. And Zaldane lives in Texas, but is a transplant from the West Coast, but makes his home there, and it has for the last, you know, half decade. And so Zaldane, 60%. Gleason, 10%. Which one's hype? Which one's history? Or are both either?
1: So we talked about last, uh, last show. Is the fact that if you're in, it's kind of hard to be hype in a way because it's, you know, especially this point of the season, it's not like it's been going well. Um, and that's not, um, you know, that's not a aid in anybody, but that's just reality. Um, you know, it's a tough season to this point if you're in Bucket E. Uh, with that being said, it's got to be history for both those guys. I mean, for, for Zalvane, no doubt, no doubt um has had tremendous history there like we said earlier it doesn't matter if he was in bucket a he would also be that highly percentage picked. uh but also i would say history not necessarily in tournament evidence to look back on gleason but history in the sense that um not being not living too far away from there you'd think he's fished there quite a bit um history in that way i guess so like because like you know i mean obviously didn't have a great event at the spain um you know had a, a few tough tournaments in a row so i mean it'd be hard to say hype in that regard i mean maybe hype in like fishing style which i think you could you could definitely argue but i would say
0: uh,
1: i'd say history i guess it'd be hard to pick either those actually
0: yeah uh, zaldane's good history and the types of baits that factor give it a lot of hype for sure that. Sure. Well, we discussed that a couple minutes ago, so I'm not going to beat that horse again, but yeah. So there's our fantasy fishing picks for Rapala Bassmaster fantasy fishing Our five buckets and angler per bucket, the OG version of fantasy fishing. If you're wondering about mercury drain the lake, we did a video on that. Our last YouTube video went up on this channel about that. We displayed our picks. I actually have it time coded out the different topics and, and things that we discussed um, within that episode. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, this is episode 28 of Cast a Podcast. Appreciate Kyle joining us. And we are going to sign off with one last thing. I want to know what the winning weight is, what your fantasy tiebreaker is, which you think is the winning weight of the event. Four days in late April at Lake Fork. I've got mine selected, but pounds and ounces. What's it going to take to win this event?
1: Okay, so... When I say this, I wouldn't suggest other people listen to what I'm saying as far as the tiebreaker goes, but I'm going with reverse psychology in the fact that if I say it's going to take less than a hundred pounds, it'll take over a hundred pounds. So I'm
0: doing it for the pleasure of the viewing.
1: Yes, for the for the entertainment. Yeah, I'm doing everybody a favor here. This is this is not for fantasy fishing points. I'm just trying to do everybody a favor uh, that's going to get to see over a hundred pounds crossing your fingers because I'm taking one for the team. But (laughs) with that being said, right now I have 98, eight, it's going to take just under a hundred. Do I, like I said, do I think it'll take a hundred plus? I think the odds are really, really good. But, uh, like I said, I'm throwing some reverse psychology in there to get to a hundred pounds.
0: Well, I'm gonna go complete opposite of you then. if you're if you're doing it low to hope it makes a hundred, man, they're gonna catch 54 pounds for four days right here with mine because I selected 121 pounds, two ounces. and I felt like I was a little high because we haven't seen one that high in a long time. To be honest, we hadn't seen the Century Club get broken since 2013 at Falcon. We do it at Fork in 2019, 114 pounds for Brandon Cobb. Garrett Paquette had uh, 101-15, so we had two anglers make it last year. Basically, it wasn't supposed to happen. Second place was 75 pounds, but Patrick Walters wins by 28, 29 pounds, has 104, and breaks the century mark. So can we go three for three on Lake Fork breaking the century mark? I think so. I I posed that question to Stetson Blaylock at dinner the other night. Because of course, fishermen and fishing people can't not talk about that at dinner. So I, I said, "What do you think it's going to take?" And he said, "Man, I think 120." And I was like, "Oh, good," because I said 121. I thought I was nuts. And so he thinks 120. He thought maybe five anglers would break the century mark as well. So I, I'd expect the fish to be biting. I'd expect a lot of people that may not know bass fishing, which we don't as much as you know it. You can get fooled by your your thoughts and your wants more than what's happening. But man, a couple cold fronts. What what are these couple cold days going to do? Because it's in the low 40s for the lows and uh, the evenings, and then it's in the 60s, you know, for the highs over the next couple of days. And it's the same way in Arkansas. They're so far into the spawn, whether fish are pulling up on the bed that week or not, this week or not. The water temperature has been what it's been and it's stayed consistent. So those fish are on the move because the biological clock in their brains, uh, not because of what the weather's done the last week. So I think they're on the move. Nothing's going to tell them different 40 degrees or so ain't going to hurt them. And I think that it could open up some other things. It could, it could either set back the shad spawn to where it all busts out across the lake at the same time, or, it's going to prolong maybe a topwater bite where those fish might go and, and, and head offshore quicker. They might stay up there a little bit longer and hang out because it's a comfortable temperature. It's not as soon as the spawn happens and then boom, water temp 75, 80 degrees, and they need to, you know, they get a little relief deeper. But I think 121 is my weight. I want to see it be that high. We haven't seen one that high in a while. And uh, man, I think my fantasy team, we've got a couple anglers that can do it a uh, Scott Canterbury, a uh, Greg Hackney, a uh, Chris Zaldane. I think we could have, I, I might have five anglers make the top 10. I'm just saying.
1: Well, we'll see about it. I think it's possible. I certainly think that's possible, but uh, statistically speaking, I don't like your chances. <laughs>
0: well, Hey, Brandon Palahniuk shoots for nine elite series wins every season. He probably won't ever do it, but that's not going to make him change his mind. So Ronnie Moore's going to think I'm going to get all five in the top 10. And if I do, I'm going to be really missing out on all the gift cards and prize packs. <laughs> yeah. I can't win a dang thing from Bassmaster, but maybe I'll win some tackle warehouse or some other stuff. So that'd be good. But uh, that's episode 28. We're done. I thought it was going to be 20, 30 minutes, but we can't do one that short. We're not possible. 50 something minutes again, an hour, but it's great. It's fun. Um, if you haven't set your grain the lake team, do that. Eight anglers, no buckets uh once you pick that angler for the event you can't pick them going forward the rest of the season so who you pick at fork you can't use it neely you won't be able to use it gunnersville the classic and the northern swing they're done so a little bit of strategy there it's kind of like the nfl eliminator uh survivor pool challenge where you know you you lose a team you you predict them to win if they win you're good but you can't use them again otherwise we would just pick the kansas city chiefs every single event probably or every single week but um New game mode, that's fun. Or if you only want to stick to the OG version of of Bassmaster Fantasy Fishing, it's a good odds that, uh, that your picks will translate there as well. So that's episode 28, Cast the Podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, appreciate you hanging out with an hour for us. Drop some comments below of what you'd like us to cover and some other ones. We're going to recap each event and preview with fantasy fishing aspects involved and uh, and more. So we're excited to uh, to bring that and we appreciate you, Kyle. But for us... We're done. Peace out.